friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ear and listen to OU Radio. So Hello everyone, this is Sasha Bloom here at OU Radio, OUR Podcast. It's been quite a while. We got kicked off at KU at the University of Utah. But we're back. We're at iHeartMedia, working under Earhole Media. Uh, with me is a new co-host, Sarah Isaacson. How are you? Wonderful. Hello, everyone. Nice to be here. And uh, we have a fantastic guest here. He's an adjunct professor at the University of Utah. He's a media know-it-all, Mitch Sears. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm so happy to finally see you again because, <laughs> as my listening audience knows, I am very dumb. And so the more smart people I can have in studio trying to teach me, the better for everybody. So welcome, everybody. Enjoy our classroom. We're going to do a little bit of a format change here. We're going to bring in lawmakers, policymakers, and educators. Uh, if you're interested in the comics and all that uh, that we used to bring in, well, we have those comics on Earhole Media. So if you like Andy Gold, Jackson Banks, and all the other talented comics in Utah and the visiting headliners, they'll all be coming in studio. So find that content there. If you love sports, we got Rick Aaron doing the Jocularity Show. So earholemedia.com. With that said, Mitch, how are you? I'm doing really well, actually. How are you? I'm very good. You were a professor of mine several years ago at the University of Utah. Well, I think due to bureaucracy, I'm supposed to use the term instructor. Uh, (laughs) Boo. Just just so we know. (laughs) Is that because you don't have a PhD yet? Correct. Okay. And there's a lot of ego involved with the PhD, correct? Oh, I'm not going to ever talk poorly <laughs> of the people that are around me, but there does seem to be a little bit of in- entitlement. I mean, they, they, they've they put a lot of work in. I mean, they should be proud of their accomplishments. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you're in your early 20s, like 23, 24? Uh, I just turned 26 last October. 26. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you came on to the U as a instructor, yes, you were 24, right? 23. 23. I couldn't imagine being responsible for a bunch of students' careers at 23. When I was 23, I was drinking beer, smoking weed, and trying to get laid as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. But you can't do that. Well, it, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, 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 you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. There we go. I had graduated in 2011, which was just a year prior to me starting um, up at the U. And I had started working with the wonderful Craig Worth. He's just been the best mentor and boss I could ever have. You know, Broadcast he, Hall of Famer, Craig Worth. Yes, he is. And he uh, just celebrated, what was it, 40 years? 40 years mm-hmm. of broadcast? Oh, my God, it's impressive. Um, he kind of took me under his wing and so, you know, was doing a lot of work for him. And then just out of the blue, they needed a instructor due to some drama that had happened with the other instructor. And they were like, hey, you know, Mitch has taken the course for years, when he was an undergrad, he's doing a lot of really cool stuff out in the, you know, freelance world. 
why don't you bring him in? And so I did a series of pretty intensive interviews because I don't think anyone wanted to hire a 23-year-old. It's a uh, Pac-12 university. Uh, <laughs> it's a prestigious job that you got. <laughs> yeah. And so after after kind of jumping through some hoops and stuff, they decided to bring me on. I mean, and it was not what I had ever expected. To be honest, I had kind of decided I was just going to become sort of like some soulless cog in a media <laughs> machine, whatever it ended up being, right? Wearing suits, going to lunch meetings and getting drunk. Like that was what I was planning on doing with the rest of my life. And I, you know, I was scared shitless when I first started teaching. I had no idea what I was doing. I was afraid, but, you know, Craig always would tell me, he's like, you know your stuff. He's like, you know your stuff. And all you got to do is tell them what you know. You're brilliantly good at communicating how to create media and content like it's a very difficult thing to not only do but to understand and then to regurgitate it to someone that really doesn't know anything about it but has an idea of wanting to get into broadcast mm. television or radio yeah uh, i don't know about brilliant i mean you know i take just, the compliment uh, oh thank you I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry i just it's all it's still it's still weird to kind of hear that sort of stuff i mean i get invited to do guest lectures and stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, I just, I threw it together. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I was just making it up on the spot. And apparently they enjoyed it. I have always had a knack, I think, for explaining and understanding other people. And so when I got into into teaching, when I got into educating, it, it took a while to kind of catch on in the first place. But, you know, you just, you got to find out what the people need. You got to f- talk to them and you got to know who they are and, I know, you know, if you have the experience and things like that, I think, you know, it's just a little bit of effort and a little bit of like panache and a little bit of, you know, I don't know. I, I you know, I don't know if I'm brilliant. Because <laughs> one of the things I struggle with is the digital divide. Mm-hmm. I, I work mm-hmm. in broadcast television and okay. radio. And so I'm surrounded by a bunch of technology, but I feel really behind. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm light years behind your thoughts and wisdom with media. I I get scared trying to interact with YouTube or WordPress. (laughs) Even though I've taken coding classes and gotten A's and I know how to code, I'm still vastly intimidated. And I'm a man who has a college degree. I'm a man that grew up in the first world with no generational poverty. So I know there's a tremendous drop-off. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the major problems that especially the media industry period, journalism specifically, is having an issue with right now, is that we have new audiences, we have new tools, we have new technologies, we have new ways that people want to interact with their media and their information. They, they want to be told stories differently. And one of the hardest things as an instructor is showing up every day and being... I, I have this new lecture that I do recently, that it's, your dream no longer exists. You know, that's <laughs> the that's the thesis. And it's... It's a really shocking to a lot of people because with all this new technology, all this overwhelming change, we are an industry in flux. You know, wanting the old ways of doing things aren't applicable anymore. And if they aren't applicable now, they will probably not be applicable in five years, ten years from now. I always made the joke that, oh, so Snapchat's going to be coming out with a news service in a couple of years, in like a couple of months, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And I kept laughing because, you know, Snapchat is not... I don't know, like, you know, it's, and again, we're talking micro generations, so like, just people three years younger than me use Snapchat to like message, where my generation was using it to send, 
self-destructive pics of their bits to one another. <laughs> and they're going to be a news service, right? Like that yeah. was that was like, what? And then it came out just a couple months ago, uh, uh, Snapchat Discovery. If, if no one's checked it out, you should take a half second and look at it. It is impressive. It is overwhelmingly cool the way that they're able to reach a new audience with these cute little 15-second videos. And I mean, CNN's on there. ESPN is on there. Cosmopolitan, if you need to get your little, like, saucy <laughs> quizzes on. And so it's this, this format that I, myself, could never even imagine. So one of the big things that I do, and every lecture, every course that I develop, I, I always come down to three points. And I say, is my course going to give them these three things? Because this is what you need. This is all you need these days. And the number one is you need a good background in good storytelling. doesn't matter what your medium is, radio, pictures, whatever. You need to be able to tell a story, and that's timeless. Mm-hmm. That is always going to be the same rules and regulations. The same things that made a good story 40 years ago is the same thing that will make a story good story now and will make a good story 50 years from now. They need to have that. The second thing they need is they need to have the technical know-how, because you have to. You have to these days. Everything is so tech-saturated, is so important to know how those things work, to use smartphones, to be able to use technology and software, because if you can't use those things, you can't tell your story. And then the third one, which is the most important for me, is an entrepreneurial spirit. And I know that sounds kind of like, oh, kumbaya but things keep changing so quickly that you have to be able to look at what's next. You have to be willing to try something new. You know, I show up and I look at their faces and it's, the stats are one in five of them are going to get a job in the journalism industry. Wow. It's that high. It's that high. And even the ones that do get into it are probably going to change jobs every three, four years. Wow. They make it so difficult to succeed in media. You know, you start out 10 bucks an hour. It doesn't matter how talented you are, your GPA. Mm -hmm. uh, Even if you've, made Emmy award-winning documentaries. It does not matter. No. Ten bucks an hour. And that's just kind of it is, you know, I meet some of my friends. They're like, how are you doing? Oh, you look great. Oh, that's a nice suit and whatever. And they are these producers at these amazing studios. Mm -hmm. And they're making the same that a subway worker is. Wow. You know? And a McDonald's manager. (laughs) Right. And And that's kind of it is it's, if you love it, if this was what you want to get into, go into it. I never want to say, no, don't go into it. But what needs to happen is you need to be looking forward. You need to be willing to change. You need to be able to look at Snapchat and say, that would be a cool way to put news and tell stories. You know, you have to be able to keep adapting. And so, you know, in in all my courses, I do exercises and lessons and this, that, and the other to try to get that instilled because that's just kind of it is it is daunting. And especially for people that have been in the industry before and are finding themselves faced with this brave new world, things keep changing. And it's, it's really hard to adapt. It's impossible to adapt. It's overwhelming unless you mm-hmm. stay ahead of it. So that's, it's very stressful, yeah. too, because not only do you have an audience, but in some sense, the audience doesn't even matter. You're having to deal with advertising and pulling dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there was a great broadcaster back in the day named Tom Likas, and he'd say, there's a reason why there's a red light outside my studio. You know. Uh, <laughs> okay, all right. I see what you're doing. That was subtle. <laughs> It's uh, you'll see the best broadcasters in the world, and if they don't hit their numbers on the quarter, they're fired. Mm-hmm. They, they'll rip their contracts and they're gone, and they have mm-hmm. to go to a different state, move up your family, take your kids out of school. Mm-hmm. It's an unforgiving job. But that's what's kind of exciting about it yeah. for me, at least, is that as we move into the digital age, 
It is, you know, advertising, sponsors, getting money is still a very big part of it, but there's other avenues these days. There's ways to create content and get supported by fans, to get supported by people you care about. You know, it's what's beautiful about it is that you can make the content that you want without those advertisers. That's the change. It's not, you know, maybe maybe you won't make a bajillion dollars doing a podcast that you love, something about this, that, or the other, but you can do it. You don't have to have a million-dollar studio, and you don't have to have big corporate sponsors, and you don't have to play that game if you want to create content. And what's really cool is we have YouTube stars that are starting to make a decent wage because they have fans that love them, mm-hmm. right? And so it's, it's, it's kind of daunting, but at the same time, we can now tell our stories easier than we ever have before and connect to an audience that we've never been able to reach before. And so I, that's exciting for me is, yeah, maybe, maybe you're not going to be making the same amount of money, but if it's what you love to do, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can get your content out there. You can tell your story. There's an interesting debate going on, I guess, through some parts of the country right now is Ari Shafir, the comedian, was on mm-hmm. Joe Rogan's podcast. And he basically said that, you know, Howard Stern from the Howard Stern Show is antiquated, outdated, uh, doesn't understand anything. Howard Stern gets on his microphone with 17 million listeners behind him and says, not only is Ari Shafir stupid, but the whole concept of podcasting is a waste of time <laughs> and for ignorant on and on and on and on. Yeah. And his point was, if you want to do a podcast, go ahead, but go into radio first because you need to develop an audience. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the tremendously successful podcasters, whether it's Adam Carolla, Opie and Anthony. Well, no, 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 those guys are radio guys. But if you get, you got uh, Mark Marin. He was Mm -hmm. on radio for a long time. Adam Carolla been in radio most of his life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joe Rogan was on television for most of his young adulthood. So they're making tremendous amount of money in podcasting, but they brought in an audience. Mm -hmm. It's a tremendously difficult medium to get an audience. Yes, very much so. So you it feels to me. I mean, I graduated um, not too many years ago. I'm in my mid twenties as well. And the sort of content marketing jobs that I got when I graduated were not at all anything I'd learned about in school. I mean, there was that shift within two years of graduating that fast. It kind of feels, and I'm wondering if this is true, that you need to kind of be multifaceted. You need to know a little bit about everything, kind of just hack everything as much as you can. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, they always throw around the terms like, we need to be a more convergent educational system. And it's like, well, yeah, duh. Like, that seems so obvious to me because it's just you do need to have all of these multiple skills because who knows what you're going to need to do to reach that audience. And even more so, and one of the things I keep, when I, I redesigned some of the courses recently, the big thing that I did was I'm like, we have to make them web savvy. We have to have them start putting their content out on Facebook, putting it out on YouTube, and cultivating that audience. Because what I find it interesting is that um, radio is kind of like a shortcut to your audience. And I hate to say that. And I hate. I don't want to like spit in the face of like people who have like done things. But you are promoted. You are. You have a team of people that put your content on and push it to audiences. And that's not. And that's one way to do it. But there's also YouTube stars. And I keep going back to YouTube yeah. because that's you know that's what I'm more into is video and stuff. But but that's kind of it. Is they can also do that same sort of thing these days. And that's what one of the weird things that, you know, what I was mentioning is that, like you were saying, is just, you know, having to, how do you get that audience? How do you do that kind of stuff? And it's getting more and more to the point where um, employers are looking for what audience can you bring to the table? 
Oh, wow. So they're not just looking at your resume. They're looking at your social media. Yep. And that's just kind of it is they will take, you'll have two applicants and both of them are just stellar and fantastic. But one of them, and this is actually a real example, one of the students that I got hired up at ABC4, um, she had 27,000, 27.1 thousand Instagram followers. Wow. And for them, it was a no brainer. If they hire her, she has a for sure audience of 27,000 people. How do they track whether or not that's a real audience? Because I can turn my 500 Twitter followers mm-hmm. into 10,000 with eight bucks in five minutes. Mm-hmm. I can get a million followers mm-hmm. quicker than George Steverson could understand. <laughs> yeah. And so how, how does someone who's deciding whether to spend $45,000 on someone if they're truthful? You just look at their, you know, with the, the Instagram especially, I mean, you look at every post she makes and she gets two, 300 likes every single day yeah. from real accounts. And that's like yeah, the engagement then. That's the engagement. And she responds to it and everything. And so that kind of stuff is, you know, it's like, hey, guys, you know, you might be the most talented people ever. But one of the things that is a major asset these days, one of the things that is a major card to play and make you get hired is do you have an audience? And so it's it's kind of turned everything on its head where it's like you're just starting out. You know, what are you supposed to do? And it's like, well, make some good content. And put it out it there. While <laughs> you're in school, while not you're when in, you graduate. <laughs> absolutely. And so, yeah, that's um, uh, one of the courses I redesigned was um, video production three used to be an hour long. The whole class would work together working on an hour, one hour long documentary. Mm-hmm. And they'd all get a little touch of the production process. We completely gutted that. And what it is instead is they are working on Every three weeks, they produce a three to seven minute video documentary essay that is made for the web. So they have, yeah. And so it's a tight turnaround. They have to learn how to do that. And then every single assignment, there is a, a portion of it where they have to self-promote. And it's like, and there's like claps and high fives on the Fridays when people are like, I got 400 people to watch my video. And I'm like, yeah, you did. Good wow. for you. Right? That's amazing. That's very engaged. <laughs> yeah. We, we had a news break story last semester when I started, when we shifted it to a web show. She got 1,300 engagements, whether it's likes, wow. shares, posts, whatever. It was about mm-hmm. rohibition, you know. It was about the, the frat row was starting to go dry or whatever. And so at, if, if, if I do it correctly by the end of the semester, rather than everyone having a name and a credit in an hour-long documentary that might show up at PBS, they each have a YouTube reel with four pieces that have been they've promoted the hell out of. And they're able to say, hey, I was able to get – a thousand followers with these four pieces. I was able to get, you know, 500 views with these four pieces. Here's my quality of my work, my ability to engage, and an audience. Is that a more realistic approach in your idea than, okay, we're going to create a new show and put it on PBS uh, once a week at 10 o'clock at night? Both, I feel that both ways of approaching that is very realistic. You can go both avenues, but, you know, that's just it, is I still have to every day deal with the fact that you know one in five are not gonna have a steady job in the industry it's like so let's teach you how to do it well and do it on the web because that who knows it may be one in five now but two three years down the road maybe there will be a new service or a new way to engage an audience online maybe something new will come out and you'll be able to hit that hard and beat everyone else to it Mm -hmm. right rather than trying to work your way up something that exists now Mm -hmm. why don't you have the skills to do that job 
but also cultivate these things that could maybe be valuable in a few years. So essentially learn how to produce your own work, put it out there rather than work in the mailroom at Warner Brothers and try to get up. Yeah. And that's and that's kind of it is that it seems so freeing to me. I don't know. You know, and a lot of people are like, is that the best way to teach people? And it's like, you know, they're you know, they're going to learn the same skills Mm -hmm. either way. I'm just teaching them a different way to maybe approach it. Self-reliance. Self-reliance, 100%. It's like if you love your content and if you're good at that content, eventually someone will take notice. You know, that's That's what I've always felt. Maybe that's a little optimistic and starry-eyed. but Do you encourage your students to find a good partner and collaborate with or do you want them to be strictly little independent uh, creators? Uh, Whenever possible, I highly suggest they learn how to do it on their own. Mm -hmm. Independent type. Um, I mean... We do do group exercises. We do have them work together because it doesn't. If you ever get into like a real production, you're gonna have to work with one another. You know, you have to have those experiences. But I also think there is a lot to be said these days where it's like you alone with a smartphone. Sometimes I like I love those sorts of courses. I'm just like, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go film and edit on your smartphone today. You know, and they're like, <laughs> what? Um, but you know, it's like. You, you're the storyteller. Let's teach you every single facet and how you can do it in a very tight timeline. You know, those three weeks go by very, very quickly. And so, yeah, they, they, get, they get some exposure working with one another, but I think it's more powerful to kind of learn that you don't need an entire studio anymore. That's a very freeing, more powerful, I think, thing to instill in our, our, our students is that, hey, you can just go do it. You don't need to oh, woe is me, I'll never be able to make a documentary. And it's like, you got the stuff at your fingertips. You're like 100 bucks away from buying a decent camera and going out and shooting it today. Go do it. So There's a long-time debate in this society. Going to college, not going to college. Can you be successful not going to college? Of course, millions of millions of human beings have shown you don't need college no. to be multimillionaires, to be successful, to <laughs> yeah. chase your dreams. But... With media and communication, you're not getting into a lot of stations unless you're a student at the university, whatever state you're in. Mm-hmm. So, someone who's listening to the show, who you know is, has a podcast, wants to get into radio, wants to become an editor, do they have to go to college to achieve that dream? No, not at all. I don't think that college is necessary for those particular professions, and it's becoming more and more apparent that that's where it's going. I mean, one of the things, and one of the reasons they even hired me for when they did was the the university is slow to change its curriculum, right? Mm-hmm. And things are changing yeah. so fast that it's, yeah. you know, you'll go and you'll get out and you'll know how to use this type of switchboard and this type of format and everything and get into the real world, and that's already passed. Yes. Right. And so, or you're working one that's 20 years old. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, very (laughs) common. (laughs) Yeah. So you're somewhere in the middle there. But if anything, going to college and even you know people will scoff. They're like, oh, you got a communications degree? What? You know, (laughs) one of the biggest things for me and the reason that I that I would never get to college or that I would never be where I'm at had I not gone to college and gone to the university was it's 100% the contacts. It's the people. If not the professors who give me contacts and give me internships and get me ins with different people. It's finding other people that I can work with. Collaborate. Collaborate. And that's, and that's a big deal. I, I do this 
cheesy kumbaya -y thing. Again, I'm going to just keep using the word kumbaya -y, and I'm apologizing. I'm just going to keep using it. Um, last semester, we had a news break course, and a lot of them were very afraid that they would never get a job. And they were very vocal about that, where they're like, this is exciting. I'm very talented. I know what I'm doing, but, you know, what am I going to do? And we all sat down on the last day together. Some people got a little teary-eyed. It was pretty badass. Oh, yeah. and, I, <clears throat> and I went around, and I had each of them turn to the person on their left and say, what is one skill that they have that is very impressive, right? And they all went around and they all said what the skills that they have. And then everyone shared their dreams and what they were going to be doing in the next few years. And I said, look at one another and this is your team. This is your potential collaborators in the future. Yeah, your alumni association. Yeah, uh, yeah. No. But, <laughs> but I, you know, you keep hitting me up for money. Um, but that, that's kind of the thing is it's just this industry is so run by who you know right? And being able to have these people in different fields and being able to say, hey, you know, I need to find someone who can shoot video. Oh, man, this guy back in my newsbreak course, I wonder what he's up to. He is the best, and I can work with him, and I know I can work with him, and we learn together. And that's one of the things these days, too, is that my newsbreak course a couple of years ago, you know, I have a friend who's a producer out in Nashville, you know, for a big studio. And you know, I've been hit up before and it's like, hey, you know, if you ever need something out here, you should let me know. I can get you something. At, you know, it won't be anything glamorous, but if you need work, you know, I have a, a buddy who started his own little indie video studio and he does music videos up in New York, you know. And so all of us have gone on and done our other things, but we stay in contact and we have those connections. We have the team if we ever needed one. And I think that when you don't go to college, it, well, if you don't go to university, you you it's harder to find those types of connections, those ends in the industry from your professors or the team, the team, if we'll just say. So. How proud do you feel, or even if you feel proud about it, when someone like uh, Chad Mobley becomes oh. producer of the sport department at ABC4? Okay, well, so Chad is the best, and I, he was one of my students, and um, I, there was a, I got an email, and it was like, hey, Pac-12, I think it was Pac-12, or either that or out no it was pac 12 that was right yep. yeah. um is looking for some odds and ends help and i'm like chad you'd be great for this you should go do it went and did it and he just like shot off from there one thing to another to another and yeah you had a good mentor there <laughs> you're welcome and that was just kind of it is the uh he called me and that was just kind of it and again back back a little bit ago i mentioned i was just ready to become a soulless media cog in a machine teaching has been oddly rewarding i was not expecting it to be like that um, but he called me on his drive to his first day of work. And I'm like, hey, Chad, what's up? And he's just like, I just thought I'd let you know. I'm the producer now, the sports producer at Channel 4, and I just want to call and thank you for everything that you've done for me. And I'm just like, what? You know, and he's just like, you know, hey, no, you had you not given me that opportunity, had you not given me some of this mentoring, had you not taught me some of these skills, I would not be where I am today. And so I, like, hold the phone away from my face and, like, emote for a little bit and then, like, get back on. And I'm like, oh, okay, Chad, well, like, let's get a drink sometime. Like, that's awesome. Like, I'm so proud of you. And then he went and did it, and he's doing it, and he's rocking it, I hear. And uh, But that was just kind of it, is it was just like, oh, my God. Like, I just, I show up at class, I make a couple of jokes and teach what I know, and apparently it's, <laughs> apparently it's doing something for people. So... Well, I'm one yeah. of those guys. <laughs> yeah. I, and my boyfriend is as well. He was in your class. Yeah. Who's your boyfriend? Johnny McKeon. Oh, yeah, He was yeah, at ABC yeah. and now he's at Mix. So <sighs> Johnny's great. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's pretty much affected everyone in this room. <laughs> so well, I'd like to man. give you that same compliment, sir. <laughs> well, thank you. Without you, ESPN would not hire me. And yeah. Fox Sport 1 wouldn't hire mm -hmm. me and Pac-12 and mm -hmm. RSL. And 
it's from you and Craig Worth. Because I knew when I went to Newsbreak or the University of Utah, I knew what I had. I knew I had a good work ethic. Um, outside of that, I wasn't sure, and I knew I had a good eye. But I, outside of that, I didn't really have anything else. And you were patient with me. You were patient yeah. with your student. And, it's, and you, cre- you and Craig create an individual relationship, even though you have 120 students yeah. you're dealing with. Yeah, and that's unique. Yeah, Yeah. but but that's just kind of it is that's like we were talking about before is is that's one of the things that I strive for. And that's what makes it really hard sometimes when I get students who don't don't give a damn, Mm -hmm. you know, or I'm just like, oh, like I'm spending this energy and this like mental power to like Mm -hmm. get to know you and find out what I need to do to make you the best. And you're not putting in an effort. It's like maybe some people go to college before they're ready. Yes. They need real life experience to slap them in the face. Mm. So when they go to school, they're willing to work hard yeah. and glean everything they can from it. Yeah, uh, last semester. And I, I, Chad's phone call came at a very good time because I was feeling really down on myself last semester. I had a couple of courses where it was full of students who just weren't at that point. And I had redesigned these courses. I would put my heart and soul into them. I was teaching, just put, giving it my all. And it was like on the finals day, you know, it was supposed to be this big day. I had bought food. We're all going to sit and watch each other's video essays and we're all going to like applaud each other and do whatever. And I show up and most of them didn't even have their work. And when I asked one of them, hey, well, where's your story? You know, it's it's due today. We're going to watch it all together, you know, with a mouthful of pizza. He's like, oh, well, you know, I could either slap something together and have it in on time or I can get a real piece of work. What do you choose? You know, and it's like, last time I checked, I didn't have to make that decision. Like, you're going <laughs> to fail as far as I'm concerned. But that was just kind of it, is there was this attitude yeah. shift that just had a bad batch of kids. And it just like, yeah. it just like, oh, it killed me. But then I have like the gems <laughs> that show yeah. up and make it all worthwhile. So, well, well sorry. No, have go ahead. You noticed a difference between like traditional students, like 18, 19, 22, and non traditional students in your class and the work ethic? Or, I mean, is there a difference? There is a difference, and I think it's the non-traditional, well, there's, there is a difference, and there has been a difference since I've been teaching longer, to be honest. When I first started out, the non-traditional ones were the hardest to work with. Interesting. Because they were like, who is this 23-year-old? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, and I'm just like, here, like, and they're like, how old are you? And I'm like, we're not going to discuss my age, you know, like, <laughs> just assume I'm 27 and look really young, you know, but... You know, and I, so I had a lot of struggle when I first began with the non-traditional older students, especially where they were just like, who's this kid? Blah, 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 blah. But I see a lot of the non-traditional students, the students that come back are really giving it their all. You know, there is a reason that they're back, whether it be because they want a better life for their family. A lot of them have that that the 19 year olds will don't have yet. Yeah. You know, or they a lot of them, especially. When the recession hit, a lot of the middle grade, middle jobs in news, especially, just disappeared. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you had to keep the you had to keep the dinosaurs, the talent, and so on, and you needed to hire these new young kids that got the Facebook, yeah. and all these middle jobs just disappeared. You know, yeah. and they're out scrounging for work and stuff like that, and competing with the freelance stuff, and yeah. so they're back to learn, so they can get back to what they're doing. The independent contractors. That kind of brings me mm-hmm. to another question. We're in a gig economy right now yes, where we are. everyone's just freelancing mm-hmm. and um, there's little stability, but what you, I mean, but you also have more potential to take control of your mm-hmm. content. What is some advice you have for people that are graduating soon or yeah. have graduated recently that uh, 
can help them in adapt to this gig economy while they're still paying off their student loans yeah. and trying to get a car and a house. <laughs> well, the number one thing I can, the one piece of advice I have that seems a little counterintuitive is don't do anything for free or to build your resume. Oh, wow. Yeah. A lot of, get a day job if you're that desperate for money because that's just kind of it is it hurts all of us it hurts the entire industry when you know some of us are struggling we've put all this time in we're asking for a decent wage we're mm-hmm. asking for a decent amount of money to for our work and then some other person is just like well I'm living in my parents basement and I can do this for oh I don't know like I can do this for 75% less than anyone else wow <clears throat> because I really need that experience I really need to bolster my resume and it's like that shows a lack of respect for yourself and for the work that you're doing. Wow. Charge people what they need to. You don't don't just take those jobs just because you're desperate for them. You know, I because it just it hurts me. It hurts me to see that because it kind of it hurts everyone around you. You know, where I go in. There's been a couple of jobs when I first was starting out where they're like, you know, one of our one of the other interviewers we've or one of the other candidates we interviewed said they could do it for about fifty percent of what your rate is you know, what is your response to that? And I said, well, I've had an extra decade of editing experience than they have, and I can assure you on that. And I know my work is going to be the absolute best. And they're like, well, I know, but they're also 50% cheaper. And they said they can do the same amount of work. And I'm just like, well, then fine. Then use them and have the bad work, you know. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. so and I, I know it seems counterintuitive when you're, you need to pay those loans and everything like that. But when it comes to your work, you need to take pride in that and don't, don't just take something just because you desperately need it. That was a huge question I was going to ask you, actually, about <laughs> unpaid internships. Because yeah. I recently read an article that people who are working unpaid internships in school, very few actually get a job mm-hmm. where they're not being paid. Yeah. And they're bringing in other people to work those jobs and just letting you go. I think it was Business Insider, and I yep. read it about a week ago. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask you about unpaid internships. So even while you're in school, yeah. what do you feel about also same? I there's enough things out there to be doing with your time. I don't know. The unpaid internships, it, like, really ask yourself if you're going to be, er, like, learning enough from these people. Or get in, or get into the internship, maybe. And, I mean, this, one of my stories is I've only, I only did one internship mm-hmm. and was asked to leave. Um, <laughs> this is a story. On, on, on a positive note. So I was doing this, um, this news internship um, at one of the local stations, and... I would show up every day and I would be like bright eyed and I would just be like, I, oh, the news, like I, everyone, like, let me help you with your stories. Like, let me do what I can. And every, every week they would have me read Twitter or listen to the, the, you know, the, the police scanners or whatever. And I wasn't doing anything every wow. single day, you know, and I wasn't learning anything. And I would sit in on these meetings and I'd be like, oh, I can, can I go out with you on your story? And they're like, uh, you know, uh. and so I wasn't gleaning anything I needed to. So they were all being highly protective of their information in their department. Yes, they were. Because you weren't paid, perhaps? Do you think that had to do with it? That very much could have been. But ultimately, what ended up happening is I got really close with the the behind-the-scenes folks, the directors and things like that. And, you know, I would help them out. And they were willing to let me actually play with that stuff when really what I wanted to do was learn the reporting side. But these other folks, we'd jive more. We could talk tech. And a director eventually took me to a Chipotle Actually, <laughs> I'm sitting there eating a burrito, and he just said, Mitch, well, what do you want to do with your life? I'm like, I don't know anymore. Frankly, the news seems pretty recycled these days. You know, we get these wires, and we 
rewrite them for local news. No one's really breaking stories. He's like, yeah, it's tough. It's it's really kind of disheartening. And I'm just like, I don't know what I want to do. And he's like, then get out of here. And I'm like, what? And he's like, Mitch, I went to a tech fair recently. I used to have a crew of 12. Now it's a crew of four with a bunch of robot cameras. And now we're down. And I've seen a device now that the entire thing can be run by one person, a producer director on an iPad. And you got to go find out what's next. Don't waste your time learning learning nothing here. Go out and find what's next. And, you know, like I gulped the last bit of my burrito. And I, and I just, and I, I, I left the internship. I left the internship at that point because I wasn't getting paid. It wasn't helping me in that way financially at all. The experience that I was getting was dismal at best. And this person just took me under his wing and he's just like, you need to get out and find out what's next. This is not what you should be spending your time doing because you're just supposed to. And that's, I think, the only piece of advice I'd have is that there, you can learn a lot at an unpaid internship. You, I think that you need to kind of let go of the idea that you're definitely going to get a job there. But you can get a lot of experience. See, I had the complete opposite. I, did an un, I had the option of doing an internship at KUED where you get $1,500 or they get you an iMac and you can get whatever computer programs you want. Mm. Fantastic. And then there was a guy at the Pac-12 Networks. He worked at ABC at the time. And he goes, hey, why don't you come and intern at ABC? And it was like, unpaid or paid? And I pitched ABC. I said, well, let me be the intern for the engineers. And they go, well, we've never had it. And I said, well, create it. And they did. And I got to learn how to build cables. I got to learn how to start understanding servers, moving satellites, uh, master control, and then fixing cameras, fixing anything and everything. And... Uh, they offered me a job the three days before my internship was up. I didn't stay long. But the reason why I think it worked for me is because I took a really dirty job and I worked really hard. Mm-hmm. And I watched interns come from BYU and UVU, and they would just sit there on their desk. Mm-hmm. And they do occasional logging, and they weren't made as a team. As where I would walk into the general managers and say, what it is, you know, and have conversations <laughs> uh-huh. and have drinks with them and interview them and build a re- build an actual positive relationship. But it came down to me really putting an effort on letting people get to know me mm-hmm. and shaking hands and not being intimidated. And I never showed up in a suit and tie. I wore baggy pants, <laughs> a stained sweatshirt, and a beanie. And I said, how do you like that? And I think that that was refreshing to them <laughs> yeah. because I was unafraid. Yeah, as I like spent every single day of my internship getting all glossed up like 30 minutes before. And yeah, that's kind of it, is you need to put the effort in. You have to put the effort in. But at the same time, I think it's it's about time we started to be very honest about the realities of internships and recognize that, yes, you're going to get a lot of experience if you put the effort in. But at the same time, don't go into it and just be like treated terribly and not learn anything yeah. mm-hmm. with the assumption that when I get done with this, I'll have a foot in the door you know, that's not that's not realistic anymore. So if the internship isn't getting you anything, if you're putting in an honest effort and you don't feel you're learning anything and you know you're not learning anything, there's other things that you should be doing with your time. And let's clarify one thing. It's not an unpaid internship. There is one person paying, and that's you, the student. Mm-hmm. And it's probably between eighteen to $3,000, depending on how many hours you do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. so you're paying them to be there. Like, they ought to be giving you something. And if they're not, you should probably take your dollars elsewhere. Yes. Yeah. So 
We got about 10 minutes here. I want to just run through a couple of questions okay. and just you shoot <laughs> off your head. Okay. Facebook, where uh, is it in five years? In five years, uh, it is not as popular as it is now, but it is still part of the social media landscape. Twitter. Still imp- still super important in other parts of the world. I don't know about, I mean, it's. It, I don't do Twitter. I don't get Twitter, but it's important. <laughs> <laughs> is it appropriate to date online? To post a photo of oneself and try to get a boyfriend, girlfriend, or other. Well, as someone who strictly dates online, uh, yes. Um, I think that it is very interesting the way that we are approaching relationships these days. And there's tons of studies that are talking about how more and more people are finding each other online. That's the way they connect. And, you know, I think especially where a lot of our interactions with one another is online already. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's too different to have an an analogous um, interaction with a stranger online kind of pre-vetting in a way yeah in a way and, the resume yeah and they talk about the gamification of relationships via twitter like that was the most interest or tinder the most interesting article i've ever read where it's just like it's empowering to you because you can just not interested interested not interested and in how like the self-esteem you get from that where there's no risk of you just being like i am interested i'm not interested so i don't know i think it's okay i think it's cool i do it uh google versus yahoo uh i don't i think that Google is too big to fail right now, and so I, I don't I, I don't even know anyone who Yahoo's anything anymore. I Yahoo all day <laughs> you long. You Yahoo all day long? And why do you Yahoo, though? Is it because Google is scary? Uh, I have both. For email, my primary is mm-hmm. Yahoo. I have a Google email. I use it all the time because I love the drive, mm-hmm. but I just always have used yeah. Yahoo, even though I get spam mail on it. It, it will be interesting in like a decade or so because there is a movement um, among younger people who are there's like this resurgence of this privacy culture and like I'm just like eh, whatever Google can have everything because they make my <laughs> life so easy yeah um, but I, I I do think that there might be a kind of a blowback at some point where we stop using Google as much for certain things because they have everything makes sense yeah hmm. Instagram I like it I like it a lot and I didn't think I would like it before I'm like oh it's like a gimped Facebook like why would anyone do this but I'm starting to like engage more I mean a bunch of magazines started following me recently, universities, bloggers, and things. And so I'm actually starting to be a part of this Instagram community. And once I hit that point, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. It's not just my same friends on Facebook liking the same photos I put on Facebook. It's different. I like it. Yeah. Okay. 18-year-old Sasha Bloom comes into your classroom. Okay. Pitch me on why I should get into communication and journalism. Oh, <laughs> That's a hard question because the thing I always do with students that are that are wondering about whether or not to get into it and I is that I ask them. I'm like, "Why do you want to get into it?" <laughs> you know, and I so I don't need to pitch it. Like the people that should be in communication are the ones who want it and love it. Mm-hmm. The people that want to tell that story, who want to break the news, who want to learn how to craft messages and get them out to people and influence people that way. And if you can't tell me that question, if you can't answer me that question honestly, or at least have an idea and inkling that I can like fan into a full flame, then I don't want you there. And then that's also like meta reference because I don't know if like challenging that and everyone's like, oh my God, I do have to take this class. So <laughs> so for prospective students, mm-hmm. where can they get a hold of you on through social media? How do they find your classes at the University of Utah? Yeah, just on the catalog, I mean, you can register. My name is often is uh, one of the names that is listed as the instructor record. You can find out which ones I'm teaching. 
if you if you want to see if you want to contact me directly, you can go ahead and send me a Facebook message. You can just search for me, Mitch Sears, S E A R S, like the tower. That's my name on everything: Twitter, <laughs> um, Instagram, everything. Just Mitch Sears. You can find me. Sir, where can people interact with you on your various networks? I am one Swedish fish, I think, on Instagram, and Sarah Isaacson one on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook, Sarah Isaacson. I'm the blonde one. I think there's like ten of us. <laughs> yeah. They're all blonde though, so good luck with that. Yeah. Oh, oh, on on Twitter, I'm Ice Cube, I C E Q B. Yeah, I made it in middle school, and it was <laughs> wait it a minute stuck. You got the Ice Cube, and the real Ice Cube didn't get it. Nope. That you got it first. Awesome. I C E Q B. Yeah, it's an old internet hand or old gaming handle. So, yeah, if you want to check out my Instagram, it's kind of fun. Well, I appreciate you for stopping by and ah, no problem talking to me about this world of media. I'm still <laughs> completely confused. I'm not sure that will ever change, but I guess that's my life dilemma. So, we'll be back sometime next month, right? Doing all your radio. We're not yeah. going to go every week, right? Right. Yeah. No. Uh, we've got a bunch of great shows here at Earhole Media. We've got uh, the great comedian Andy Gold, Jackson Banks, Natasha Mower, Jason Harvey. And we've got a seven-time Emmy Award winner, Rick Aaron. Tune in for the Jocularity Show. Coming soon will be a podcast with me and Hooker from Rock 106.5. So get behind it, tell your friends, and uh, support us because I think we're doing a fun thing here. So anything else, Mitchell? Nope, I'm good. Awesome. You're the best. <laughs> I appreciate you. Thank you. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white The bright blessed days, the dark sacred night And I think to myself